0: It's a five-star podcast
1: because we do it.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Real podcast. You may realize that this is not a typical episode. Uh, We're going to do a little special this week all about the things going on at WrestleMania weekend minus WrestleMania. So there's a lot of other stuff. We figured we would take this opportunity uh, to do something like this, we've had a little bit of a scheduling conflict this week. So we, you know, do, doing the regular show, we just didn't have uh, the time permitting to do so. Um, so hope you guys enjoy this. It's something a little bit different for us, uh, but it should be a lot of fun. So as usual, I am your host, Ed Demco, along with, most appropriately this week, my tag team championship partner in podcasting, The J himself. The J, WrestleMania weekend, brother. Uh, a, a huge weekend for wrestling fans in general, which we're obvious, get, obviously going to explain. But, dude, are, are you as, like, overwhelmed with all this stuff as I am right now? Because it's a, it's a lot of stuff.
1: Crazy, hey, crazy. We We have said covering professional wrestling right here. Week to week on the What's Real podcast that it is a great time here presently in 2022 to be a professional wrestling fan. And the 2022 WrestleMania weekend was definitely no exception. A completely jam-packed weekend all over the indie scene, the higher up indie companies. You know, if you want to put R.O.H., in that GCW, everybody's bringing it this weekend. It's a tradition within the entire professional wrestling industry to load up WrestleMania weekend because that's where uh, a lot of the guys and girls get their biggest paydays of the year or pretty much get their biggest payday of the year, even the WWE uh, roster. So it was jam-packed to the gills. And that's why this was a great special to to tackle too for for two huge pro wrestling fans that cover the shit on the What's Real podcast. So as you can tell, hey, you know, the
0: J is as pumped as ever. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that that listen to our show that are, of course, familiar with WrestleMania. Like, it's pretty mainstream now. I think everybody kind of some degree knows what that is. But I don't know how many people out there besides hardcore wrestling fans really get what WrestleMania weekend is. Of course, WrestleMania is the WWE. Uh, It is now a two-day show that they do on Saturday and Sunday. And we're, of course, you guys heard us review that last week on the show. Um, Now, what happens with WrestleMania weekend, though, is there's a ton of other wrestling events and shows and things that go on through the weekend because it is kind of a destination thing. So this year they did it in Dallas, Texas, uh, a stadium that can fit up to 100,000 people uh, with the WWE doing the show in two nights that means a ton of people are coming to Dallas for the entire weekend. And I'm talking about starting on like Thursday night. So we're not going to go into all of this stuff because this would be like a 12-hour special if we did. But just to give you you guys an idea, this is what it looks like when you're a fan going to WrestleMania. So starting Thursday night, March 31st, we had Glory Pro Wrestling starting at 11 a.m., full card. Then you have Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 8 at 3 p.m., which is kind of a different, it's a hybrid wrestling show. Um, they take the ring to, or they take the ropes down, it, it has more in common with like pit fighting, UFC and shoot fighting with some wrestling aesthetic involved. I know that me and you, the Jay, we've seen this kind of stuff before. And one of the things that I give credit for, for this show is it's one of the more unique ideas going on over the weekend. They're actually trying to do something a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. And that's kind of cool. It's the
1: better version of Raw Underground, if you remember that horse Yes, <laughs>
0: very true. And, dude, look, like just to give you an idea of how widespread this is for the next show that I'm going to mention, 5 p.m. that Thursday, AAA invades WrestleCons, and AAA is a Mexican promotion, so they have a full card. Then you have Insane Hardcore Wrestling, a company I'm not even familiar with with a 5 p.m. show. You have Iconic Heroes Wrestling Excellence, Old School Hustle at 7 p.m. You have MLW Intimidation Games at 7 p.m. So shows are running against each other at this point in the weekend. Uh, There was a canceled show, the ROW and WCPW Texas Showdown. Day one was canceled. Uh, There was a Control Your Narrative show, which is beyond you know that's a whole other thing uh, a show that's become a kind of regular occurrence for Wrestlemania weekend now every year the J is Joey Janela Spring Break 6 part one that's that Thursday at uh 8 p.m and that's a show too that not only features you know the regular people from GCW but you have you know John Moxley's their world champion Joey Janela faced off with X-Pac Um, that, you know, you're seeing the Briscoes, uh, win the tag team championship there. So that's a company too, that a lot of people might not be familiar with the J, but they're making a lot of waves in the world of pro wrestling and they do big stuff during the weekend at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah. It's, it's cool too, where we're at with technology and all the streaming options that most of this stuff you could track down. So if, you know, if you're a wrestling fan that has some disposable income and just wants to go all in, you can
0: check most of this shit out, you know, through a, a, a streaming source. Yeah, they do. And a lot of these sources, too, are, are offered like package deals and stuff for all the shows. Right. That they yeah, because I saw weekend. that fight, F-I-T-E, the fight app. There was a lot of indie stuff through that that I noticed. Yep. And so the remainder of the night on Thursday, the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show at 9 p.m. was another one that we saw, the Dark Arts Entertainment and Full Blown Pro Wrestling Ghouls Night Out at 8 p.m. as well. And closing out the night. And this is pretty wild to think of this the Jay. So we already talked about Spring Break, which is a GCW show. Well, the night ended at 1159 with the GCW Planet Death Show that night. And that was just Thursday night. So it's already lined up. And you got shows starting Friday the next day, starting at 11 a.m.
1: Yeah, so you just ran ran it through Thursday from 11 a.m. in the morning in Dallas all the way to midnight. So 12 hours
0: of live professional wrestling events. And it's the same way on Friday, starting at 11 a.m., the JCW versus LA fight show at 11 a.m. Then you have that again, it was supposed to be day two of the ROW WCPW Texas Showdown, which was canceled. You had Zicky Dice's Trouble in Paradise 2 at 1 p.m., the MLW as Azteca Underground at 2 p.m. So another MLW show that's two days in a row. There was For the Culture at 3 p.m uh zello pro at 3 p.m you had new japan pro wrestling's lone star shootout at 5 p.m so another international promotion uh getting involved and frankly it's the biggest international promotion that uh, is functioning outside of the united states right now the jay so it's even important for them to come make a presence over the weekend
1: yeah, for sure, and and I'd be interested to check that out, and that's the thing, like a lot of this stuff, because there was so much, you know, we're going to cover some some reviews of the things we did watch, but for for somebody that's as busy as me, and I, I know uh, we were hanging out this weekend uh, as well, hey, Ed, for our buddy, shout out to Runk uh, for Runk's birthday, happy birthday, Runk. So there's only so much time in the day, so there was a lot of this stuff that I was interested that I missed, and, and maybe, like, in future years, you know, because this is the, the first WrestleMania weekend truly since the, you know, pandemic is kind of tapered yep so you know i think next year will be even even more robust you know and that that could be something that again just having the the what's real podcast something that that we could cover and maybe try to watch
0: some some more unique things to to talk about on the show absolutely and they're not giving us any shortage of that kind of stuff too uh we saw zawa live guava mania two cover all bases at 7 p.m Texas Style Wrestling Unfoolish Business at 7 p.m. The ROH Supercard of Honor at 7 p.m., which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Gringo Locos The World on Lucha at 7.30. Uh, you also had DFW All-Pro Wrestling at 8 p.m. WWE SmackDown at 8 p.m. No Peace Underground, No Fear, or New Fear City Murder Mania at 8 p.m. You have the Martinez Entertainment Lucha Leyendas at 8.30 p.m. You also have Impact, the multiverse of wrestling matches at 9 p.m., which we're going to talk about a little bit later as well. And you also had Joey Janela's Spring Break 6 Part 2 at midnight. And that's not even it. You also have the Impact Provisional Wrestling Federation at midnight. And then, of course, the next day, starting with uh, NXT Stand and Deliver. So, you know, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. There's world-class pro wrestling of reality, of wrestling, Sherry Martel women's classic was canceled. And of course, WrestleCon, another thing. And that's the thing too, just to, to emphasize this with all these wrestling shows going on, uh, they're also having WrestleCon. So there's, it's a, it's a wrestling convention. There's matches, you can meet superstars, you could buy merchandise and stuff. That stuff's going on all weekend while all the rest of this stuff is going on too. It's really crazy for sports entertainment and professional wrestling
1: that went hand in hand, uh, mainly in the 80s and 90s with steroids. This is like <laughs> professional wrestling shows on steroids nowadays during Mania weekend, as as we were discussing leading into this. But you just running through that. Hey, Ed, just shows you the scope of how much content within the professional wrestling realm takes place uh, in the city that hosts WrestleMania. And, and, and speaking too- out now, go ahead. I was
0: gonna say I'm not even done yet. There's yeah, more. right,
1: and there's more. Uh, and and before you run through it, hey, I just uh, before I lose the thought, because uh, when when you were going through it, my my mind goes here, and I'm like, man, you know. And again, it goes into what I was talking about with with busy lives and scheduling to make this a reality. But with next year's WrestleMania being WrestleMania 39, maybe we can eye up WrestleMania 40 and and uh, drag Cam with us and do a what's real mania weekend and document it and talk about it on the show like how cool would that be to do, just do as much as we can in whatever city wrestlemania 40 is in for the weekend and just you cover know, that
0: i was talking to a friend of mine about this who just went a couple of years ago what it was i mean it's was, it was busy it's kind of like the same thing they do now but it's just not to the extent that it is right and it's it almost doesn't even sound fun because <laughs> yeah it's too, like work <laughs> yeah there's too much so it's and it's like, expensive and yes so it's like and you're not going there just to go to two shows and like I know people think this there are people that go travel and do the whole and do everything but WrestleMania, which is understand like there's just so much other shit that it's almost impossible to keep up with it. Yeah. R- so, really interesting. But just to run down the rest of the list to give you guys the the full scope of this, we have Effie's Big Gay Brunch at eleven AM. There was Tex- Texas Mania Three River City Wrestling at noon. There's Turning Point Turmoil Rough House at two PM. Soar Pro Wrestling 2 P. M. Mission Pro Wrestling at 3 PM you also had uh, Texas Mania 3 at 3 p.m. You have Rampage Wrestling at 4 p.m. Texas Mania 3, Hybrid Mania 2 at 6 p.m. You have Unsanctioned Pro Mulligan at 7 p.m. You had This Is Manly at 7.30. And then, of course, Night 1 of WrestleMania uh, 38 at 8 p.m. Uh, Lucha Maniacs at 8 p.m. So their shows running against WrestleMania. Metroplex versus The World at 8.30. Texas Mania 3, 9 p.m. Texas Mania 3 at midnight. They're just continually running events. Um, and then Sunday with WrestleMania still being there, Black Label Pro had a show at noon. You also had Texas Mania 3 DFWL pro Women's Wrestling at 9 a.m. Uh, Texas Mania 3 Texas All-Star Wrestling at noon. Texas Mania 3 Global Wrestling Federation at 3. Uh, Laredo Wrestling Alliance at 6 p.m. And of course, Night 2 WrestleMania at 8 o'clock. And the shows still keep going. New Texas Pro, 9 p.m., VIP Wrestling, 11 p.m. So they still were running shows even as, you know, night two of WrestleMania is going on. So it's pretty wild in general. But that's the weekend schedule right there, which shows you that it's like virtually impossible to go to everything. It's impossible. I got to say this. Hey,
1: uh, you know me, I'm a very positive person and I I support my people and, and peers and everything. But if you are currently an active, trained, professional wrestler and you can't get booked on WrestleMania weekend with all those shows you just said, you might have to hang up the boots.
0: I wish I could remember who this was, but I seen some like wrestler post on Twitter at some point yesterday and they were like, this has to be a record. And I don't remember exactly all the companies, but you'll see what I'm saying. He's like, this has to be some sort of a record. I literally just wrestled for CZW, Ring of Honor, Glory Pro, and New Japan in the same day. Wow. Like dude had four matches on Friday or whatever the fuck it was. So I can imagine, and that's another thing too. A lot of these guys come here to get booked on as many shows as they can. So it's possible in a three day period, guys will have 15, 20 matches if necessary. And it's kind of why you always see the business kind of reset itself. Like right after WrestleMania, companies go on breaks. There's like l- weird little things that go on because they're, they've just run so many yeah, shows. Yeah, they go, such a go all period. in. Exactly. So let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about some of this stuff in detail. Of course, we're going to be talking about the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, but there's a couple other shows uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of the first ones for the weekend, the Jay, was the Impact Multiverse of Matches. Um, I did watch some Impact the other night, and I you know, kind of had an idea that the show that they were putting on. But I'm just going to throw out some stuff because there's plenty of names uh, on this show, and, and it's definitely people you're familiar with. Uh, the X Division Championship was up for grabs. Trey Miguel, the champion, defeated Jordan Grace, Blake Christian, Chris Bay, Vincent, and Rich Swan. Uh, that actually sounds like a really good match. Uh, me and you have t- kind of talked about this before, the Jay, about like the intergender matches and stuff like that. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. We've both said about this before. Um, but Jordan Grace is somebody that I actually have seen in these, and she does increasingly well. Like, I think she lines up very well with the X Division guys and the other guys that they have working here. So that was probably a pretty fun match.
1: Oh, and she's a beast, and I mean that with all due respect. for For those listening that might not be aware, Jordan Grace is like a powerlifter, female yep.
0: wrestler, and she is just ridiculously strong. Unique. Like, there's not unique. many people like her. You know what I mean? And she could go. She's athletic, exactly. all kinds of shit. So, and you know, the bottom line is, if she's in that match with those guys, you have to be able to go, or you're gonna get left behind because everybody oh, of else course. in that match is really solid too. Right? You wouldn't um, be. You wouldn't be in it otherwise. Dude, this this is a match that I I didn't even know this was happening until I watched Impact the other day. But this is like one of those like indie super match type things. Like you'll see what I'm saying. But it it was a mixed tag between Mickey James and Nick Aldis. They defeated Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder. And these are like people that you see just working everywhere. Like since they they've been out of their contractual situation, we even seen Mickey James in the Royal Rumble this year. Uh, when she was working for Impact, yeah, so, like, it's really are, crazy. Yeah, these people are working all over the place, so it didn't surprise me to see this match on the card. But I just thought it was a good time to highlight like what they're all actually doing right now.
1: Yeah, no, exactly, and it, it, it makes sense. And like, God bless Mickey James, man, still going strong, able to compete. Uh, it feels like she's been around for forever. I mean, she really has. So yep. more power to her. And I, I definitely like Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona together's act.
0: Uh, really good heels on the indie scene right now yeah they're doing pretty good uh a match that dude i was kind of surprised to see this match even announced on here but speedball mike bailey defeated alex Shelley, and that's just something about like you know like mid 2000 indies stuff where i was like yeah, right i think that, I think that match would be pretty cool
1: yeah i'm sure it was fun um what what was this was this on like the fight app uh yeah. or something like that
0: okay yeah or double check impact plus or whatever it is like i don't Really mess around with a lot of those, so right I just, that's why I, was I curious. know that they they all have them, apparently, um we also saw the influence defeat Tasha Steels and Savannah Evans, decay and Giselle Shaw and Lady Frost to win the knockouts world Tag Team championship. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Tomahiro Ishi from New Japan faced Eddie Edwards and defeated him, and Eddie Edwards was representative of pro wrestling noah where he actually has fought many a times. I thought that was kind of cool to to bill it like that,
1: yeah, yeah, 'cause um. Ishii, he, he was a New Japan. What kind of champion was he?
0: Oh, like he was a bunt. He was like the never champion. Okay. The, yeah, because I know I saw. Intercontinental a, at one
1: point. The, the Intercontinental. I think that run uh, had me thinking of that um,
0: and just, you know, when I saw his name. But, yeah, him and, he him was, and Eddie Edwards, I'm sure, it tore it up. He was like one of the major players for them, I feel like, when they were on uh American TV frequently. Like they're yeah, coming right. back, but the last run that they had, Ishii was definitely one of their main. Yeah, guys, speaking of which,
1: sure. when when does that start?
0: It already did. Okay. It, it, yeah, they've been showing some stuff. It's it's on Thursdays after uh Impact on Access where they do like a big wrestling night. It's kinda cool that they do. Yeah, that I think I told
1: you it. I don't I don't have that access channel. All the channels I have uh here in the house, see, it's one of the I, ones I
0: don't have. They, well, I think Impact runs their stuff, too. Like, you could watch their stuff online. They they make it available, too. So, gotcha. you know, and, and I'm sure New Japan does in some some fashion as well. Um, we also had uh, Josh Alexander and Jonah defeat Moose and PCO, which was kind of a weirdly put-together tag match. But, you know, nonetheless, I think Josh Alexander is probably their best talent. So it's nice to see him re-sign and back with the company. Uh, Now, this is kind of weird, too, especially considering uh, the show that was going on around the same time as this one. Um, Deanna Perazzo defeated Fabi Apache uh, in the Champ Champ Challenge for the AAA Reina de Reyes Championship. Deanna Perazzo is also still the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, but she didn't wrestle on the show. They actually had an interim women's title match on the show. So with the assumption that the winner of that is going to go face Deanna Perazzo. Uh, we also, this, this is one of the more surprising, uh, results to me. Chris Sabin defeated Jay White on this show. Um, Jay White doesn't take a lot of losses either. So that, that's kind of surprising. And in the main event, the Good Brothers defeated the Briscoes in a weekend that ended up, uh, not being the best for the Briscoes, but they sure as hell did work a lot of shows.
1: Yeah. Getting get that paper, hey, you know, getting paid, but I'm sure that was a great main event. The Good Brothers and the Briscoes
0: tag. Now, dude, I know that you aren't, you know, you're not a super impact fan or anything, uh, but like, dude, you got to be kind of surprised. I know it's a WrestleMania card type thing and it's for the weekend, but you have to be kind of surprised at the talent that they have in the company and what they're actually doing. Because they've really, to me at least, have improved leaps and bounds like in the last six months compared to what we they were for like a couple years there. Oh, for sure, dude, and that's that's
1: the other thing, man. The talent is out there. The talent is deep, and and it pretty much needs to be. You know, we're running through all these varying yeah. promotions, and you know, all these uh, possibilities and opportunities. I should say to to get on, um, you know, pretty decent sized cards between all these different companies, and you know, Impact is still hanging in there. We always talk about that. we a lot of people forget that Impact broke the record of ECW and even WCW. From back in the day, for its run, and, and it's still going strong. And to your point, they got a really
0: stacked roster. Yeah, it's it's been much better. They've definitely uh, have been, pun intended, impacted quite uh, significantly by a lot of the talent releases going on around the. You know, right. You know, yeah. with WWE, they they picked up some of the pieces, and they've been able to reform their roster. So that is that's what I always say too. Like, it sucks to see those big releases, but it does help the industry as a whole when you just get better talent everywhere period.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, speaking right hand in hand with that, the, uh, you know, always shout out our ref- reference articles with call a beyond the quality in-ring action, a major return occurred on the show as Taya Valkyrie appeared inside yep. an impact wrestling ring for the first time since she left the promotion in early 2021. And for those that might not remember, she had a really brief run uh, in the, under the WWE umbrella in NXT that only lasted a couple
0: months, which I still think is kind of stupid because it's like, somebody like her she's good enough you just have to put the time in to be able to like you know because they're going to change the character and shit like that right it just it just didn't seem like they were patient enough with anything and it wasn't like she did bad it's just like dude if that if she doesn't work there that's your fault like she's she's a vet she's been around forever if you can't figure out what to do or at least like she's somebody to me that didn't even really need to be in nxt frankly Like she could have did like a quick stint there and just went straight up, but like they're being really weird with that kind of stuff now too, where they're seemingly trying to run them like separate companies. And that leads me to something I wanted to ask you about too, uh, whenever we talk about the NXT show from this weekend, the J. So if you're down to get into it, let's just get into that. Uh, I'm talking about NXT stand and deliver. This is a 1 p.m. show on a Saturday, April 2nd before WrestleMania. Um, which is weird because I don't remember them ever doing like an afternoon show before. Dude. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Real quick. My, my personal perspective on it always just fun to throw out there. And cause I was texting with you actually yesterday. I just was, I, I saw, I was, watch, I was getting caught up. I was watching SmackDown and a really good triple threat match for the IC title, by the way, with Ricochet and the two Latino dudes. That was an angel. Yeah, that yep. was really good. But um, I digress. But uh, I was wondering, I'm like, oh, shit, when is uh, NXT stand to deliver? Like, I'm in a huge wrestling mood. I'm just going to watch wrestling all weekend, you know, screw it. And I, I pull it up, and it says 1 o'clock, it was one o five. So yeah, it time, was perfect. Man. Yeah, and I texted you like, dude, this is perfect So I'm just folding laundry, you know, just getting the house in order, shit. I'll just put it on in the background. So even though it's something they haven't done in the past, it was really cool to have just a middle of the afternoon out of nowhere for me, uh, NXT pay-per-view.
0: Absolutely. So they had seven card, seven matches lined up for the card, including the match on the pre-show, which oddly enough, I did watch because I didn't realize it was the pre-show. Uh, so we saw Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai defeat Toxic Attraction for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship at seven minutes and 53 seconds. Not a bad match. I was surprised that it was happening because I periodically catch NXT. I don't watch it religiously like I used yeah, to. I'm the all. same. I'm in the same boat i didn't even know that dakota kai and raquel gonzalez were a team again because i remember they broke up and were feuding and now here they are not only having a match together but they're winning the nxt women's yeah they're back as tag champs yeah but not a bad match but per se i was just kind of surprised by it but uh they wanted to start the show out with a bang however because the opener was the fatal five-way ladder match for the nxt north american championship and in twenty minutes, we saw Cameron Grimes defeat Carmelo Hayes, Santos Escobar, Solo Secoa, and Grayson Waller. Um, really, really, really good match. Um, the only thing that I really didn't care for is the winner. I don't like Cameron Grimes. I just don't get it. Like to me, they, like there's fifty guys just like him. He doesn't look any different than any. It, there's, I mean, he's good in the ring. I'll give him that. But I don't like anything else they do with him. Uh, i think carmelo hayes might be the best guy in nxt period he's really good um you know i also really like santos escobar a lot um dude's kind of growing on me i like that little group that he has i think that that works pretty well um now i've seen solo sokoa before who is kind of like the third uso he's related to them he looks just like them right um i've never seen him kind of do the stuff that he was doing in this so i was like this is a good test for this dude and I was kind of impressed with him. And dude, Grayson Waller, who this, this is a dude that I did not like at all. Like, I, I've, like, whenever they changed NXT to the NXT 2.0, this was a guy that kind of got introduced. And I'm like, okay, it's some good-looking dude. Like, I get why they like this dude, but I just didn't see much in him, like, from what I would see in his matches and stuff. But in, like, the last month, I've seen this dude do two completely insane fucking (laughs) things. So he does, like, the Shane McMahon elbow drops and stuff like that on tables and off ladders. But he does the crossover in midair. Like, he's doing it with a basketball. Like, the first time I seen him do that, I was like, that's kind of a cool little touch. Yeah, exactly. And this this dude's big, too. Like, he's a big dude. He's not, like, you know, he's probably, like, 6'4". Or so, like that's uh, would you say that's a good estimate? Oh, yeah, yeah. And this motherfucker can fly. And he tried it in a ladder match at NXT Stand and Deliver, and I'm pretty sure he broke his arm. Like he, think, yeah. he decimated that ladder and his arm and shoulder all at the same time. And
1: hey, that, that's why you know he's coming up in, in the WWE system trying to be a, a top tier professional wrestler. So if, if he sold, hey, Ed and I. Kudos to Grayson Waller because his selling was amazing if his arm yep. wasn't really broken. Cause it, it had me. I, I texted you. I'm like, dude, that dude's arm's broke. Because I, is- I watched it a few times. I rewound it.
0: Yeah, and they even showed some some replays of it and stuff too that that were pretty wild looking. But like, dude, this is to me right now like this match is a pretty good example of like where most of the prime talent is in nxt right now like these guys are like the guys that can really yeah this (laughs) this
1: match was this match was amazing you know talk about starting off the jay's weekend like i mentioned nice little wet my appetite with the pretty entertaining smackdown that i was able to fast forward through um with having a dvr and then right into this and this match and i was just like man this is why I still love pro wrestling. I was
0: just so in the mood for the weekend. It you know, got me ready for Mania and everything else. So next up, we actually had a singles match between Tony D'Angelo defeating Tommaso Ciampa by pinfall at 13 minutes and 11 seconds. I do kind of like this Tony D'Angelo dude. I don't think he's that great in the ring, but I think that the gimmick is, is a good one. It works. Yeah, I agree. I like his character. Um, but, dude, I do – can you – and this is what I was just talking about before. I was like, I'm gonna, I wanted to ask you something about this show. So, you know, like, after this match, they do the whole, like, respect thing for Ciampa where, like, the crowd's cheering for him. And then Trips comes out and, like, hugs him and shit. Like, is this? (laughs) I don't know how this came off to you. It felt more like his retirement than it did your leaving. Um, So, it's like, it feels like either, A, a retirement. B, he's leaving the company, or C, he's going to the main roster, which I think is what they're going to do. But I just don't see all this. Like, wh- like, what is the point of all this? It's a weird thing. And, they, yeah, I feel like, and I feel like they've been doing this for, like, a month with him, where they have, like, re- these repeated, like, send-off things. Because like, I've seen other stuff with him like this, where, you know, like, the crowd's, like, chanting thank you and all this shit. And I'm like, what are they doing with him? It just doesn't, and then they, on top of it, they're treating him like a legend, which is fine because he's a big deal in NXT. He's done a lot of stuff there, but you just lost to an up and coming dude in 13 minutes. Like it wasn't like you just put on some barn burner.
1: Yeah, and he had to, they had to go on after that ladder match on top yes. of it for like his his last uh, hurrah in NXT here. But yeah, that's what it seems like it is. It's it, I don't think he's going to be in NXT anymore in, in some fashion. And in the past, Chompa has been brought up to do some things on the main roster. So I'm making the assumption. Look at how Trips comes out, like you mentioned, and hugs him and is championing him. He's is one of those guys that when he gets called up to the main roster, he has triple ace. Uh, Triple H backing him, but there's something that Vince can- doesn't see in him.
0: You know well, what I mean? He, I
1: think he's one of those guys where it's just like, like I just he needs more of a character or something like that.
0: Did you watch SmackDown? Yeah. Did you see the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? Yes. And you realize? Did you realize he was in it? No. So there you go. Well, here's the thing, and I like Champa, right? But it's the problem, and I don't care about this. But it's when I see this, I'm like, ah, it's Vince, hundred percent. But it's like he looks tiny on the main roster, and that's yeah, a even though he's ripped to high hell. Yeah, and and he's really, really, really good. Like yeah. that shouldn't matter at all. But as soon but as I does. see him in the, I'm like, man, he's way smaller than everybody else. And I know that that's like the worst case. In it, that like the first time Vince gets a look at him, it's like he's fucking tiny, pal. Like, yeah, and it's, it's, a- it's gonna kill him. They're not gonna do anything with him. It's kind of a shame too because he's not a young guy. So it kind of is what it is. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, Next up, we had a matchup for the NXT Tag Team Championship, which saw MSK defeat Imperium and the Creed Brothers to win the belts at 11 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, I like the Creed Brothers a lot. Uh, MSK is fine. Uh, Imperium, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I just think they're very by the numbers. Uh, To me, this match was okay. Uh, It it felt kind of rushed. Um, especially because these are three of, like, their biggest tag teams, and for them just to have, like, an 11-some-odd-minute match for the tag belts is whatever. And I'm not – like, a lot of that crowd is tied into MSK, like they're crowd favorites in, you know, NXT, and I'm not tied into them that way, so it really didn't mean a whole lot to me.
1: Yeah, I thought it was just a mediocre match. Um, It was fine for what it was, for sure. I mean, it didn't drag or anything decently paced but yeah nothing stood out ridiculously there was a few good spots that was about it
0: next up was a fatal four-way match for the nxt women's championship and in 13 minutes and 28 seconds mandy rose defeated cora jade kaylee ray and eo shirai by pinfall to retain um i really wasn't looking forward to this at all um besides eo i'm not super big on any of the ladies in this match but i'm not gonna lie i was kind of impressed with this i think it's like one of the better examples that i've seen out of mandy Cora Jade and, and Kaylee Ray. I know Io Shirai is really good, but like they all work together really well. This was way more fun than I thought it would be.
1: Off the bat, I got to say, hey, in yeah, disclosure, everything with how much I love my wife, but in a hypothetical world, the Jay has taken Mandy Rose and Anna J. You can have all the other chicks. Hey, yeah.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> she's even, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I don't even have to
0: argue with you on that one.
1: But, yeah, it was it was a good match. I, I liked what they did to put it together. and i'm I'm really big on Mandy Rose as as she's getting better. you know, she's still kind of raw and things like that. but the the new character and the kind of heel run and like the narcissistic mandy and and her getting more experience, you know, like we always talk about, you know you're you're in there with somebody like EO, you're gonna get better, you know, or, or like you were saying earlier, you're gonna get left in the dust and lose your spot. and I think mandy Mandy rose is it's almost like a parallel to to how Britt Baker is kind of chipping away at, at getting better and better in ring and as a pat total
0: package. So Dude, I like seeing that, and I was glad she went over in this. You know what she kind of reminds me of? I was thinking about this. I guess I've seen a match somewhat recently with her. I mean, it was a good match. It wasn't anything mind-blowing. But I'm like, she reminds me of, like, the female Miz. Like, yeah, she's good just call. good at what she does. She's not doing fucking corkscrews and crazy shit. She doesn't have to. That's not the type of person that they want with her. And it's, and it's going to be the same thing as the Miz, too, where, like, she's never hurt. She's always there. It's, oh, just do her, just throw her in there. She could do right. it, you know. And, you know, it works. It is what it is. So I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the next match is a match that I didn't really think on paper looked all that great. I just think it's kind of a clash of styles. And I'm talking, of course, about Gunther defeating LA Knight by pinfall 10 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, both of these guys are good. It's not that they're not good. I just don't think that they work together very well. And I really didn't care for this match a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I liked it a little more than, than you did from from your breakdown. I th- I thought that parts of it were fun. Uh, I was kind of into some of the stuff they were doing. Uh, L.A. Knight in particular did like a really cool power move because Gunter's such a big dude that I was pretty impressed with with he, what he did there. But uh, to to your point as well, hey Ed, yeah, it wasn't like it was anything that I was like you know that that was close to being a show stealer or anything. I just thought it was uh, you know a decent match.
0: Dude, you know, like sometimes in a match, like a match will get announced and like you understand why. But like, you know, because you've seen the guys enough or you know enough about wrestling where you're like, yeah, that matchup. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it. like I always felt that way about Austin and Undertaker. Like they even say, like, we never had the kind of match that we probably the should The chemistry. Have. And it's yeah. like, yes, when it's not there, it's just not there. And I, that's kind of how I felt about this match on paper. And then after I seen it, I was like, yep, there you go. Um, and, of course, the main event was the NXT Championship. And in 16 minutes and 13 seconds, Dolph Ziggler retained against Braun Breaker by pinfall. Really, really, really good match. Yeah, I like this match. High-level high stuff from both guys. I don't understand Ziggler winning, though. I don't That's... really know what the hell they're trying to do with him. Breaker is really good. He's, he's still a little green. Like, there's a part at the beginning of the match where they did, it, it's just like a hip, t- or a... a what do you call it? Like a sunset flip move, and they fucked it up. But yeah. because Dolph is super athletic, he kind of saved it a little bit. Um, so, like, he definitely needs a little bit more seasoning. But, like, he's 100% like rookie of the year type shit. Like, dude's that good. And he's only had, I think, to this day. I, dude, do you know? I don't know if you know this or not. Do you know he's probably had a little less or around 20 matches in his whole career? I, yeah, I do realize that. <laughs> like, I mean, he's a Steiner, if, man. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The pedigree is ridiculous. So, like, if if there's anybody that's just going to be able to kind of, like, walk their ass in and do that stuff, it's definitely him. Um, But, yeah, I really like that match. But besides the the outcome itself, you know, I I was happy with it overall.
1: Yeah, I I actually went on a a rant at my household. I think I mentioned it to you this weekend. We were talking where my wife, Katie, happened to walk in during this match and, you know, she She'll uh, interact and, and just try to see what's going on um, if she catches stuff. And she's like, oh, who's this guy, you know, about Braun breaker. And I'm like explaining to her, you know, and Rick Steiner's kid. And I'm like, and it just pisses me off because Vince McMahon has to own the goddamn names that he can't just be Braun Stry- Steiner. You know, he has to be Braun Breaker for no reason. Everybody knows that. He, you know, who's well, uh, son even, he is. They <laughs> like, even
0: talk about it on TV now. Like, first right? They, they talk, and and sunk.
1: he introduced them in the Hall of Fame, which we'll get into. So it yep. just pisses me off, and I get it. Trust me, it's a it's a business move. Vince will tell you that. You know, I, there's been that thing for years with with Cody. Ironically, you know, Cody Rhodes in the WWE and, and not owning you know all all of his name. Although I think now by now he does or whatever. But yeah, he does now. You know, yeah, it's it's a business thing. But uh, again, I just had to bring that up while we were here in, in my rant, like to my wife, like. I don't know why they don't just name him, sign her sign She's like, yeah, calm they, down.
0: they just don't like do it, but it's weird. But because
1: well, they want to own the name,
0: Ed, that's that's what it comes. That's all it well, is. But, you know, it's funny. Like, you're you're right. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I just hate that there's always something to contradict it. Like one of the biggest fucking stars in the entire company right now is who? charlotte flair charlotte flair they yeah. don't call yeah. her fucking charlotte Flair thompson you know what i mean like yeah. or like oh my god it's rick flair's daughter charlotte mcgillicuddy well that's kind of like, what this is like, oh it's rick uh, steiner's son braun breaker that's with, yes. with two k's <laughs> but i'm like if you're gonna do it for like why are you so against it for one but the other yeah, one's like that's, no, a that's a good that's point fine.
1: yeah like, but it's just, I, that's that's my rant of the the special hey y'all.
0: Yeah, but overall, I thought it was a pretty decent show. I was kind of surprised by it because I really didn't know a whole lot going into it. I knew some of the matches, but I really didn't, you know, I don't follow it week to week. But I thought it was a surprisingly good show. And as we do here on the show, we give letter grades to wrestling. I'll give this one a B. I'm with you. Yeah, solid B. All right. So another show that I wanted to talk about that happened over the weekend was the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor show. Uh, And the reason why this show is a little bit more special than a typical Ring of Honor show is this is the very first show uh, under the umbrella of Tony Khan and essentially all elite wrestling. Uh, This was from April 1st from Garland, Texas at the Curtis Colwell Center. Um, And, you know, basically they had matches announced for the show before uh, Tony bought the company. He wanted to try and live up to the card the best way that he could, and he filled it out on his own as well. So uh, it was a 12-match show, uh, including four matches on a pre-show here. Uh, Colt Cabana defeated Blake Christian by pinfall at eight minutes. AQA defeated Miranda Alizé in eight minutes. Uh, There was a two-minute match between the Gates of Agony uh, defeating the Shinobi Shadow Squad. And the Gates of Agony, by the way, is a new team that's uh, being managed by Tully Blanchard. Uh, Tully Blanchard Enterprises is now a thing in, in Ring of Honor. Like, he's a manager there, apparently, as well. Uh, Dalton Castle defeated Joe Hendry. Uh, and then now here comes the uh, the opening of the, the actual pay-per-view itself, and we're starting to see some AEW talent. Uh, Swerve Strickland defeated Alex Zane by pinfall in 11 minutes and 40 seconds in a pretty good match. Uh, then there was another matchup. Uh, it was only 2 minutes and 50 seconds. It was Tully Blanchard's latest uh, acquiree, uh, facing Ninja Mac, who's known from GCW and it ended up being Brian cage. So that's why I remember we talked a couple weeks ago on the podcast to Jay about Brian cage, signing a new contract with AEW and people were kind of surprised. Well, it looks like he's going to be a major fixture in ring of honor. Yeah. Forward. And
1: it's a, it's about time he's been back. I like Brian cage.
0: Yeah. I think he's, he definitely has a place. So, I mean, even if it's not an AEW, he should be somewhere else uh this match was really good dude in 14 minutes and 50 seconds jay lethal defeated lee moriarty by pinfall uh i saw that that match was happening i figured it would be pretty good on Yeah, yes i would figure it, it dude lee moriarty is very very good a fellow pittsburger by the way and yeah, jay yeah, lethal has been doing really well lately i've seen he's had more matches through AEW and then stuff like this I wouldn't even mind if they just kept him in Ring of Honor because he's been such a name there for so long that it would make perfect sense if they did. Exactly. Why not? Uh, There was a match for the interim Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match. Uh, It's Mercedes Martinez defeated Willow Nightingale by submission at 12 minutes and 45 seconds. That match was literally like pulling teeth to me. It was not very good. Um, But the match of the night, without question in my opinion, was for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, which saw FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler defeat the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor titles. Um, Right after the match, we saw the Young Bucks hit the ring, beat up the Briscoes, FTR came back down to make the save, and it was announced that Wednesday on Dynamite that they would be facing, uh, the Young Bucks would be facing FTR for the AAA and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. But the J go out of your way to see this match it is absolutely fantastic i was really impressed with everything like everything that they did and this was fantastic
1: dem boys versus top guys yeah i figured such hey uh, and i'll definitely take you up on that uh you know the jay i got my means i will find a way and track this down and um i was i was looking some things up so i apologize just a, a quick question because I'm i'm sure you had mentioned it what was the the final time that they gave this I was 27
0: minutes and 25 seconds. Perfect. I was going to say half hour. So there you go. Uh, we also saw a Ring of Honor World Television Championship title change as Minoru Suzuki defeated Rhett Titus by pinfall in six minutes. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to a couple friends uh, while I was watching this match. And uh, a buddy of mine, because Rhett Titus has been there forever, and I'm like, Suzuki's gonna kill him and win the belt. And he's like, dude, Suzuki's not one in the belt. He's this is like a one shot. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he lives in America. And then he beat him and he's like, ah oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> hey, Ed's like, hate to say I told you, sir. But I mean, you know, Suzuki ain't losing that match. You know yeah, he's exactly. not and I'm not saying that he wouldn't, but he's just not. Um, of course, Wheeler Yuta ended up f- facing Josh Woods for the ROH pure championship. And in 12 minutes and 55 seconds, Wheeler Yuta would go on to beat him. Um, I didn't think the match was that great, but dude, Wheeler Yuta's pretty fucking good.
1: Yeah. I like, he's growing on me. I think we talked about it at first when he, he first debuted and I wasn't big on him at all. I thought his look, you know, was kind of suspect skinnier guy can do some athletic stuff, but it's one of those things where, you know, you, you better bring it like that if, if you, you know for being like lanky in the world of professional wrestling but since then he's had some pretty good stuff that has piqued my interest and has made me uh, a believer that he could be a pretty promising young professional wrestler
0: so uh, i'm with you man he's kind of growing on me see the aew has a really good knack for like like because i remember like whenever we went last they were doing it at the time with daniel garcia It was just like a younger guy that gets a bunch of love on TV. Uh, uh, Darius Martin or Dante Martin was another guy that they were doing that with at the time where they're trying to give guys some love on TV. And like you can tell they're big on them because they're on TV a lot. And Wheeler Uta definitely like the last three, four months has been that guy for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and you need guys like that. You know, you're like you were saying uh, before when we were talking about like Mandy Rose kind of being like the Miz. You know, those those kind of people are uh, the the workhorses. You know, and and any every company needs them. And and that's kind of where, you know, when you were saying that about the Miz, another parallel person uh, would be like Kevin Owens has become that for Vince. You know, I think yes. that's why they signed him for, for that big contract that they were talking about. And then he was, you know, he's working with Stone Cold at Mania this year and everything because he's one of those guys that he can just do it all. And, Dude, and Kevin, it's just good to have talent like that, obviously.
0: Kevin Owens is in the – and I know that this isn't always the best position for some guys. They don't like to be there, but he's already won – major titles and 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 things there he's in the gatekeeper position like exactly. if you wrestle Kevin Owens and you have, you know, you can have good matches with him and you're talented, you're going to go to the next level and then, you know, face for the title or what have you. Like he's definitely in that gatekeeper position. And I don't think that, I think he's actually a really good person for that too. Like he can work yeah, of with course. so many different people. It's really a good spot for him.
1: Just almost like a lower level version of that's Dolph. And that's why Dolph got sent down to NXT and they yeah. kind of at least, you know, gave him a belt you know for his efforts but that you know vince probably sent him down there obviously to see how broad breakers coming along
0: yeah and and you know how that goes too we always say that like you don't get better unless you're working with really good people and exactly. if they yes. they have such a high opinion on Braun breaker that bringing down somebody like ziggler to have him work with is gonna it's gonna make him better for exactly. sure there's no way around it Uh, And in the main event, of course, of the Ring of Honor show, guys, we had a ROH World Championship match. Winner takes all to determine the undisputed Ring of Honor World Champion. And in 24 minutes and 55 seconds, Jonathan Grisham defeated Bandito by pinfall to take both titles. Uh, Very, very good match. These guys are both supremely talented. Um, I had a feeling Jonathan Grisham was going to win the belt. Good for him. Dude is a very unique wrestler. Um, And I mean that. He's a wrestler. So he can work a lot of different styles. He's worked in Japan. He's worked in Mexico. Um, I know that Ring of Honor, I mean, uh, AEW had their eye on him. So there's a very strong possibility that he's going to be given the ball with here and getting a chance to run with it as Ring of Honor relaunches. And I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, and uh, as I was reading, hey, Ed, uh, I'll throw it out there so that you could give your take as uh, somebody that viewed this with the Jay missing this show. But, uh, you know, again, shout out to Bleacher Report. Uh, as they mentioned that the show ended with uh, Jay Lethal, who it looks like is definitely uh, turned completely heel now. Uh, Jay yep. Lethal is a complete heel. And uh, Sanjay Dutt attacked Gresham and then Samoa Joe showed yes. back up in impact.
0: Hey, Aaron ROH. Uh, Aaron ROH, I'm sorry. Dude. It was really cool. It was a good moment. I, I, it's like, dude, at least see that's the thing. I don't. I like that Tony bought the company because he didn't just buy it for the tape library. He didn't just buy it to acquire something like he was actually a fan of Ring of Honor, so he understands the history behind it. And very rarely do you see somebody acquire something and kind of still like you know they care about what it used to be, so they they know the things that that work and just. You can't like we talked about that when we talked about the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, the J like they picked such a great class for that, because if you paid attention to Ring of Honor, those are like the linchpin guys. So seeing a guy like Joe come back and it's also really cool, too, because it's intertwined with AEW and Tony Khan, which means down the line, you can have a lot of really other fun moments. Maybe CM Punk comes back and has a match. Maybe. You know what I mean? You saw. Exactly. We talked about that when it was first announced. Yeah. Yeah, the the Opportunities are there. It, there's a lot of opportunities for fun and goodwill with Ring of Honor fans. And I think that that's something that Tony's going to want to bring to the table because that's just how he seems to do things. And, you know, I'm good with that. I think it's a smart move.
1: Yeah. And, and rounding out this year's uh, ROA Super Card of Honor, with it being the return under uh, Tony Khan's uh, ownership. Bleacher Report states that Supercard of Honor was an amazing show that should give people hope that the future of Ring of Honor is bright heading into the rest of 2022. So as, as fans of Ring of Honor, as, as we've discussed, uh, as this has unfolded, uh, that's a good good sign. And I'm, you know, again, as a professional wrestling fan, you want as many cool things going on as possible. So I'm definitely down with how, how things are going so far.
0: Can't say it any better than Jay. So, we are going to take a quick commercial break. The only one on the show, by the way. So, stick around. Uh, Whenever we come back, me and the Jay are going to talk in detail about the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022. So, stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real Wrestle special. This is Ed for the What's Real podcast, telling you about the IWC Wrestling's Superstar Showdown 2. Saturday, April 30th, at the Ross Draver Ice Gardens in Belvern, Pennsylvania. Featuring an appearance by the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy in action, and Dirty Dango, formerly known as WWE's Fondango. All that and much more Saturday, April 30th, bell time at 7pm. It is the IWC International Wrestling Cartel Superstar Showdown 2. And we're back, and it is time to get into the 2022 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, they had their typical uh, Hall of Fame ceremony done a little bit differently. They just recorded it in the arena after SmackDown on Friday night. I, was, I, I had an idea they were going to do this, but I wasn't quite sure. Um, but it seemed rather appropriate, kind of the first time in a few years, to have the WWE Universe, uh, or aka fans in the stands, if you will. And... I still don't like that. Um, I'll explain as we go on uh, for the reasoning behind it, but it just it makes for a weird environment for the Hall of Fame sometimes. Um, first up was Queen Charmel. I'm not going to lie. I was watching Rampage at the same time, and I almost had no interest in this. Um Charmel is a 1991 Miss Black America. She's a former Nitro girl and a longtime manager in WCW and WWE, most famously for her husband, Booker T, as they were King King Booker and Queen Charmel. Uh, it was a good act. Um, I don't really think she's anybody that should necessarily be in the Hall of Fame. I get why they did it, but whatever. I wasn't really you know, over the moon on this
1: one. It's it's all good. Not that it really matters. Hey, yeah, but you know how we do not want to get flooded with emails for fact checking like we do sometimes. That's true. Um, yeah. But I'm bummed. But the uh, the Steiners
0: were the first inductees. Oh no, I was gonna talk about that because okay. that's one I actually wanted to talk about. I kind of yeah. Well, there you go. So perfect. Charmellan.
1: Uh, but yeah, um, she, you know, it, it was it was nice to see, like you said. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I mean, she didn't have what you would consider a Hall of Fame career <laughs> or anything. But it's I, I I have my feelings about Hall of Fames in general, let alone the professional wrestling one. So it's like whatever, you know. Yeah,
0: and she of course was inducted by Booker T. Booker. Uh, <sighs> next up, we're going to talk about the Steiner brothers. They were inducted by Braun Breaker, uh, who is the son of Rick Steiner. Uh, They are two-time WWF Tag Team Champions, two-time IWGP Tag Team Champions, seven-time WCW Tag Team Champions, and one-time WCW United States Tag Team Champions. Um, You know me, the J. I'm a huge fan of the Steiner Brothers. I absolutely think they are top probably three tag teams of all time. I'd put maybe the Midnight Express and the British Bulldogs up there on the same level with them right there. Uh, You and me both, brother. As you know, the J. Scott Steiner, in his days in the Steiner Brothers, is one of the most underrated wrestlers maybe in the history of the entire business. He did stuff that nobody else did. He innovated a ton of moves. Dude, I even seen a video recently. It was from 1987. I forget the company that it was. But Scott Steiner does, like, it was like a modified 450. Like It's like, I don't know where this dude was figuring shit out, but he was like way further ahead of everybody else back then. And I'm not, you know, I know you know that, but it it was pretty impressive. And the guy basically had like three careers.
1: Yeah, because we we loved, loved his Big Papa Pump run just because of how fucking funny it was because... For our sense of humor, and I mean I'll speak for myself. Like I love the dry kind of stuff. And you know me, I always talk about what really cracks me up a lot of the time is just like outlandish stuff, but when it's it's being presented as serious. And that's how Scott Steiner was. I mean, he was dead serious being big papa pump
0: and just killing us, you know, Dude, with the shit he was saying. I will always remember in the dying days of WCW, there was a week where he came out on TV with a live mic. And it was pretty common at the time for companies to mention the other companies and stuff like that. But they were doing a, like a thing where he was suspended and he was coming back. And, oh, no, he has a live mic. And he literally just goes out there and he's like, this company sucks. And he's like, we're so <laughs> stupid. We let, we fired yeah. Stone Cold. The biggest star in the industry, we fired. And then everybody hears like, why are we doing bad? And he's like, I'll tell you why cuz WCW sucks that's what <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And it was like a half shoot so exactly like, And you know dude here's the funny thing and I don't even know if you realize this or not So did you notice whenever he came out and one of the first things Scott said was like they gave me a live mic and then Rick kind of like talks to him off the mic and then he just goes into like simple wrestling stories Yeah like, he's like <laughs> The pal story with Macho Man was pretty great. That was great. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if you know this or not because I think most people would, you know, like who would win a fight out of the Steiner brothers, a Jay? Oh, Rick. It's not even close. Yeah, (laughs) like a lot of people wouldn't think that, but I'm. It's not even close the dog <laughs> face gremlin boy yeah like people used to be like dude the stein don't fuck, fuck with anybody here but just leave the steiners alone it <laughs> yeah. will fucking kill you <laughs> yeah um, i would have messed with the steiners no not at all um but absolutely without question one of the greatest tag teams of all time this should have happened a long time ago we've been saying it for years amongst each other that like dude this like we get why they're not but like it's dumb they both should 100 be in there so I was glad that they actually did it this year, too, in a smaller class where they get a little bit more shine. So I was definitely happy about that, too.
1: Yeah, just to round it out with some of my highlights, uh, I noted was um, when Breaker, of course, Rick's son, as we've been thoroughly over, introduces him and he said... Uh, I'm now going to take the biggest risk of my career and hand the mic over to my uncle Scott. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was great. Like you said, he then would go on to say, you know, giving me a live mic. Sometimes it can go good. Sometimes it can go off the
0: rails. (laughs) And then Rick quickly made sure it did not go off the rails. Yeah. It's like, if you start saying dumb shit during our hall of fame speech, I'm going to choke you out right here and just finish it myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. When, when he was finally able to speak Rick after Scott's, he was like, thanks for leaving me like a minute. <laughs> he's yeah. like, we, we had four minutes. You just took up three.
0: So that was, that was all funny. brothers. Like, exactly. It's not, you know, it's not an act with those two. And so I thought that that was pretty cool.
1: The other thing that stood out that had me dying with Scott was he was talking about his relationship with his wife and he's like, she's always right. Even when I'm right, she's writer. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like classic <laughs> Scott Stein or even out of character, you know, uh, and, Yeah,
0: they, these two are amazing. And let's be honest, that woman probably had to put up with a ton of shit during his big, big Papa Pump phase. Oh, my God. Yeah. like it, the gimmick itself was just fucking vile. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's why we got a kick out of it. Just over the yeah, top. Exactly. Absolutely. But. Uh, Moving right along, uh, another, uh, this is a posthumous inductee, somebody that's deserved to go in for a very, very long time. Of course, I'm talking about Vader. He was inducted by his ex-wife, or his his widow, Deborah, and his son, Jesse. Vader was a three-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion, a two-time All-Japan Triple Crown Heavyweight Champion, a three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, one-time U.S. uh, Champion in WCW. He won the 1993 Battle Bowl. He was a three-time CWA World Heavyweight Champion. He won the 1999 Champions Carnival in All Japan. And he was the 1993 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Year. And he simultaneously held three world titles on three different continents. Amazing. Uh, Vader is 100% our era. You know of all people, the J, how much I loved Vader. He was, you know, a lot of people talk about like WCW, right? And those, you know, oh, I remember Flair and I remember Sting. And of course, I remember all those guys. But I vividly remember in 93, 94 seeing Vader on WCW TV. And we were kind of talking about this last night, the Jay. And whenever you've been watching wrestling as long as us, there's a lot of really good guys. But then there's guys that set themselves apart from everybody else because they can do things that other guys can do, but in a way that no one else can do them. And that is vader fits in that category to me he's one of those guys that did shit that you didn't think he could do he was a killer heel he really flourished at that time in wcw they really had him working with the great you know like staying like he always had good opponents uh cactus jack you know what i mean um, the, Vader was one of the few dudes in that era of WCW where it's like, no, they're, they use him exactly the way he should be used. And I fucking loved him for that. And I loved them the rest of his career from that. Point yeah, forward. that
1: was, I always say my start as, uh, you know, my spot in starting following professional wrestling for myself in 92 was, was Vader's WCW run when they were doing the gimmick going right into the feud with Cactus Jack, where he was yep. power bombing jobbers on the concrete. Yep. And, and that's back when I was a literal Mark as a like, young teenager, you know, 12, 13 years old, then 13, 14. And I was legitimately sca- scared of Vader at that point yeah. in, in my life. Like, I, I
0: thought he was fucking legit. Well, dude, they, if, even if you think about that time period, heels like that weren't as commonplace anymore. Um, so when you the dude was like a wrecking machine. And it looked like yeah, just his look
1: with the mask and everything. And then when he came out with the the mastodon, and not to get ahead of ourselves with the mastodon, you know, just bringing it up the the you know
0: like the helmet, and they unveiled that at the end too was yeah, absolutely. And dude, one of the other things that I thought was pretty instrumental. People talk about his time in the WWF like it was a failure, and I understand why that they do that. He was supposed to win the title; it never happened because of various things. Um, But I will never forget this. Uh, remember that whole thing they did with him in Gorilla Monsoon where he beat the yep. fucking shit? That was so rare back then. And you didn't think it was real. But you were like, once you saw that, you were like, whoa, Like they're not fucking around when it comes to Vader. It did get all fucked up because of, like I said, injuries and other shit. But it was like, yo, there, they're, they're, there was definitely good parts of it. Yeah. Absolutely. they They tried, like... If it wasn't for the weird circumstances, there's no doubt in my mind he would have did exactly what everybody thought that
1: he. Well, and he better. and he and he did have some standout matches, like him him and Michaels uh, main evented at SummerSlam. I mean, that's huge. And dude, then they did that four way where he was he dude, got cut for real. The final four that was yeah. fucking.
0: That's one of the best things he did in the whole company. He's also had some pretty good matches with Taker and stuff that they had there. For exactly. Too. Yep. Um, it's just unfortunate. It came when he had a lot of mileage on him too. And yeah, that's true. And, but the crazy thing is, he was able to leave there, go back to Japan, and, like, he had classics with, like, Kabashi, like, you know, like, he, he went into NOAA and stuff after All Japan. Like, he had another extended career in Japan that was really, it was probably, like, the last gasp es- ep- effort of his best work. Like, he and was faltering and older after that, but he still was putting on some really high-level shit at the end of the 90s. And
1: he was personally involved in two of the most infamous wrestling moments in Japan for, like, involving American wrestlers when he threw Mick Foley into the ropes. And Mick Foley did like, the, the stunt where he puts his neck in and he oh, ripped he his, ear his ear right. off. And Vader was in that match. And then Vader's eye popped out. In a in match, match in Japan, Hansen. yep, and with Stan Hansen, he pushed his own eye back in after it popped out of his head, and
0: finished the match
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And of
0: course, you always have to mention this too because it's something that he's definitely remembered fondly of. And I'm talking about his appearance on Boy Meets World, yeah, uh, especially at that time too, like when you're young and you're you, you were obsessed with wrestling at the time. There was no internet and things like that. So like anytime wrestling showed up on anything, you kind of showed some sort of interest in it, even though if you didn't give a fuck about it at all. But I think a lot of people watched Boy Meets World all the time and that crossover just kind of worked. And it was, it was surprising too, because wrestling was not, that was like when the Monday Night Wars were just getting started. So it wasn't really like on this apex yet. And that's one of the things that can happen that kind of sets it up to do that. You know what I mean? It's one of the many things that makes it more mainstream. So, you know, it it was, it's definitely one of the biggest moments of Vader's career and it's nothing against his wrestling career, but you can understand why it was a pretty big television show in the nineties. Oh yeah. I always remember that. And you know, speaking of our loves freaking
1: Topanga, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Goddamn Topanga. But yeah, I think it's worth mentioning as well. Jussie White, Vader's uh, only child, his only son, uh, that gave the speech, did a great job. Like, he was Mm -hmm. quick and to the point, but he covered a lot of stuff. You know, he brought up the eye popping thing and the White Castle of Fear. Remember that? Like, we would talk about, like, what the hell is the White Castle of Fear?
0: (laughs) Dude, the White Castle of Fear and the King of Cable was two things I remember from him in WCW that were like, that good stuff came from it. Like, a lot of good matches and shit came from that stuff.
1: Yeah, it just shows you how creative the big man was too. You know, like cool nicknames and you know varying different ones. The Mastodon, of course, yep. the WWE. So, um, but while yeah, still, amazing career
0: while still remaining true to what the character was. He never really exactly had to shift away from that too much. And of course, the main event of the WWE Hall of Fame, without question. The four-time WWF WWE Champion, three-time World Heavyweight Champion, one-time Hardcore Champion, six-time WWF Tag Team Champion, one-time WCW Tag Team Champion, the 2007 Royal Rumble winner, 15-time Slammy Award winning, uh, the Tyweek Mountain Trophy winner, widely known for the streak, a series of 21 victories at WrestleMania with an overall record of 25 and two and being the longest-tenured WWE wrestler, totaling 30 years and without question, the greatest character in the history of professional wrestling. I'm talking about Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. Um, This is exactly what I expected. It was very long. Um, Vince McMahon inducted him in the Hall of Fame, which he's never done with anyone before. He doesn't even, he asked to be not to be thanked during the ceremony usually. Um, So he did that for Taker. Very appropriate, very good. Uh, Nice long speech. It was funny. It was good. There were stories, all kinds of stuff like you'd expect. Um, And it was a it was just a really nice thing. I kind of expected this thing for him. And it's it they did, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's a lot of a lot of highlights run through some of them, Uh, you know, going back to Vince McMahon, since he kind of started it with the induction in in his speech, you know, saying how uh, tonight, meaning the Hall of Fame night is his favorite night of the year every year, which is, is cool. Cause it's kind of like, you know, you're giving thanks to the guys that the the men and women that paved the way for the current talent and that helped, you know, build his company. And Vince McMahon's definitely a polarizing character, but when it comes to the WWF, I mean, that dude eats, li- lives, breathes and shits it. So I do believe him when he says like tonight's his favorite night. And, you know, I'm sure he does love the fact that this is the night that they, you know, look back on all his top, guys you know and uh, that was just cool to hear from him and he would go on to read a laundry list of superstars from like the eras and that was great, you know, <laughs> like he, yep. he named everybody the Undertaker shared the ring with over 30 years in the WWF. and You know, current uh, AEW talent like Jeff Hardy was in that and stuff. So uh, that, that was like little cool things I was picking up on. And he told a, a story that, that stood out. Hey, Ed, uh, of that time that they were shooting for Shotgun Saturday Night. Yeah. And we talked about in those days, we didn't deal with like film permits. And they're like in the middle of New York. And it's like the Undertaker wrestling with trips on like an escalator and he yep. was like even the hardened new Yorkers were like what the hell <laughs> like is going on yeah so, like that you know just some cool stories man and that and that's why i really like this night too um you know to get these kind of stories i wasn't bored at all like you said it was very long yeah, i wasn't but, i wasn't bored at any point of it i was really into um the undertaker's speech and he did a really good job you know i mean at this point after 30 years of being in front of people like he's had to do his share of fifth the classic 15 minute WWF promos to open raw over the years and stuff. But nonetheless, he, he was really smooth. Uh, didn't fuck up too much. Um, the, the other, the other big highlight was when he was talking about the Godfather. I really liked oh, that because yeah. they're yep. like best friends and, you know, t- talk about drinking gallons of Jack Daniels. Uh, and then of course, shouting out uh, Shawn Michaels and triple H and one big omission. Um,
0: there were three big omissions.
1: Okay, so we could cover them, and I'll, I'll throw the first one, and then you, you take over, hey, Ed. But, of course, uh, not one mention of Mick Foley
0: in Hell in a Cell or any of that. And not no mention of the Rock or Austin either. Good call, yeah. Wow. Really surprising. Uh, it could have just been, you know, but, dude, I'm, i I kind of agree with you. Like Foley's the most important one in there. I don't understand why he didn't thank him because I uh, probably me, just forgot. I get it. You dude, know, I'm
1: sure he didn't do it on purpose. But honestly, Foley, if you
0: remember, dude, Taker, Taker was around obviously years before Foley was, but like he didn't have the reputation of having the good matches and stuff until after that. So to me, Foley, like Foley is always going to be his main net. Like Rivalry. they talk about it, they talk about it like it's Kane and it's not. Like, yeah. I know that they fought more, but, like, it, those matches didn't have the impact on him like the stuff with Foley did. So, yeah. it, it would have been nice to get a thank you in there, I think. Um, it kind of sucked. I feel like Mick's always, like, the, the guy on the outside looking in. Yeah. So, I, I would have liked to see that, too. Because, I mean, let's be honest. That's that's the match that everybody thinks about. It's of not his best match, and no one's even saying that. But that's the – it's the iconic moment type thing, and that's the – like, Hogan's best match isn't against Andre, but that's the one everybody thinks about. Just like Taker's best match isn't the Hell in a Cell, but it's the one that everybody thinks about. Yeah, and I, I
1: saw he and his daughter Noelle uh, tweeting about that, like his omission, Foley's by Taker. Yeah, and yeah. they're taking they're taking it in stride, and like it went on to uh, the last one I saw was his daughter Noelle uh, post and that. In, in all fairness, my dad did forget to fa- thank my mom in his speech so yeah. <laughs> I, trust me there's nothing worse than that missing the wife <laughs> yeah hell in a cell or whatever you know you don't want to miss your wife so yeah it's pretty funny And I, yeah i think it's just something that happens i mean it's a lot to cover in a, in a 30-year career and i'm sure if somebody brought that up to him i'm just assuming of course that he'd be like fuck yeah he's like that's that's definitely one you know one i missed
0: yeah but i mean overall i thought it was a pretty decent night uh pretty good event uh it's it, the reason why i don't like it in front of the crowds is i think like, you know how Taker got that big ovation at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, it went that, on for some time. Yeah, that's fine. But it be, like it eventually feels like the crowd's just, you know, like we always talk about trying to make it about themselves. Right. Um, which they're going to do. It just is what, the, what it is. But that's why I don't think that this is. I think it needs to go back to kind of like a smaller environment, like an amphitheater or something like that. It just comes across better. But I get why they wanted to do it this way this year because they haven't really had the fans in a few years. So they kind of wanted to go back to like doing the arena spectacle thing. Right. But I just think that it's it's going to be better because like they can't always have them like this every year. And it's not always going to get this type of reaction. And I think if it's in a building like it was and they get a bad reaction, it's going to be really bad. So just try and avoid it in the future is my line of thinking. But that's easy, easier said than done because we already ran through this whole weekend's course of events. It's probably not easy getting a building at this point. Yeah, and exactly. it depends on what city you're in. Like they might not have the type of amphitheater that you're looking for. So I kind of get it, but I think that it would be better uh, like on a smaller scale at this point.
1: Let, let alone when they first introduced it, Bret Hart got attacked. Speaking of like the Chris, you know, coming off the Chris Rock
0: and, Wolves just, and shit. Yeah, just, like, just another thing about the crowds that I don't particularly like in that setting. I just don't, it's, Wrestling is good in a building like that, but like this isn't wrestling. This is yeah, speeches and th- exactly. So I like it when it's more of a black tie affair kind of thing. I just think it it, it comes across better, especially on TV too. So um, no complaints overall. It was pretty good, but that's really my only my only issue with with the actual event.
1: Well, and I and I didn't want to end on a on a sad note, but we didn't discuss the warrior. Award recipient Shad Gaspard and yeah. I, I mentioned on the show before. I had a personal um, connection to Shad to Gaspard because I did a tryout for WWE's developmental Tor- territory OVW back in the day when I was doing independent pro wrestling on my own. And Shad uh, was uh, there during the, the week-long uh, tryout, so I got to know him a bit. And then, uh, you know, with the incident that occurred in May 2022, I was rescuing his son, uh, and he passed away, drowned, uh, but did save his son and was given this award so it was good to see and as you can imagine for for myself had it was pretty rough to get through being the father of a son and knowing chad uh, just a tiny little bit but nonetheless you know meeting the man spending some time with him for a week uh, for for a time period that i'll never forget and, you know that child meant the, the world to me as you know so uh, it's definitely a, a special place in my heart and um it was good to see him at least get uh, some sort of recognition though
0: yeah well and it was nice for his family to get that in front of the crowd and everything because they definitely showed them love and and you know were chanting stuff like that's something that that kid's always that
1: worked out too exactly
0: yeah so like i i think that that's pretty cool you know i'm not gonna i know a lot of people bitch about stuff like that but i don't take it as being as nefarious as everybody else does it's just sometimes you're just trying to do a nice thing so exactly yep uh so yeah overall i thought it was a pretty cool show i like that as well Um, But that's pretty much our wrap-up of the WWE Hall of Fame 2022. And that is pretty much it for us this week here on our Wrestle Special. We will uh, commence next week with episode 113. So don't uh, forget to join us for that and beyond. So uh, the J, you know how we do here on the show, brother. So it is time to say your goodbyes.
1: I always got to shout out our producer, the wizard behind the board, because he does the work and he deserves a shout out each and every time that he's editing a show, which he's going to be doing right here with the wrestle special on the what's real podcast, but always love chopping it up with you. Hey, as we sit here on a, on a random weekend here in the pit. Uh, so I'll take it. Love spending some time with my boy on, on the weekend and, and talking about the crazy WrestleMania weekend uh, that is in modern times, just a, a crazy weekend. And you know, like, like we talked about, we'll, we'll, be discussing, I'm sure as long as we're on the airwaves here, the WrestleMania weekends of the future, but it had a blast and uh, as we always must say to those here in my voice, we appreciate you. We love you. Stay safe, stay healthy. And you'll hear the Jay
0: on the What's Real podcast. So that is pretty much it for us here on the Wrestle Special. Of course, to our producer Cam, thanks for all the hard work you put in each and every week here on the show. And as we know here on the show, nobody beats the Wiz. And to you, the J, of course, my tag team championship partner in podcasting. Not a defense this week, but, you know, we're still got the gold. We're still undefeated. You know how it goes. Still the clang, 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 clang. Exactly. So uh, we'll be clanging and banging next week on episode 113. We hope you guys will join us for that for our regularly scheduled programming. So thanks for listening this week, guys. We will see you next week on episode 113. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we'll see you here next week on the What's Real
1: Podcast.